Hello and welcome everybody back to Warcraft podcast number 32 it is. Damn, that's a quite a big number. Uh, once again, flying solo, hoping to get a couple of guests on soon after the entire DreamHack stuff is done and after War 3 Champion stuff is done. But for that, I want to keep you, uh, until then, I want to keep you in the loop about what's happening in the Warcraft scene. And what's happening at Back to Warcraft especially. We got a couple of topics here and we want to start with Blizzard. There's quite a couple of news recently. Or in the past two days actually. Three big news that all kind of go together, I think. Uh, first news was that BlizzCon is just cancelled for 2022. There's nothing happening. Um, the news said we will reimagine BlizzCon after making it online in 2021 because of the pandemic. Before, BlizzCon was always a big gathering and a big uh, networking convention as well. Alongside Blizzard, of course, showing what they got, right? The new stuff, uh, the new games, the updates, the add-ons. To be honest, I was there two times, and it already the second time felt kind of stale. First time was, of course, for us super exciting because it was the announcement of Reforged, right? But the second time already, A, because there was nothing for us as Warcraft gamers, B, because it was just add-ons for all the games or more downloadable content, and the announcement of Overwatch 2, which was a little underwhelming, that felt like another add-on. We had a Diablo 4 release there as well, but it was very, very, very obvious that it won't be released anytime soon. So it wasn't too excited about that either. So the week, uh, the year afterwards, I didn't even really listen. I was just tuning into the stream and I saw the people that I, at the time, had a lot of hatred for because of what happened with Reforged. And I mean, their speeches are always the same. It's always about passion and dedication and yada yada. I don't know. Um, wasn't wasn't too exciting at all. So now they, quote unquote, would like to take the time to reimagine what a BlizzCon event of the future could look like. Of course, we have to mention that in the past, BlizzCons were also uh, used by BlizzCon by some BlizzCon employees. Uh, to hit on women within the company, outside the company. Uh, there were a lot of news about the Cosby uh, room, right? Cosby apartment, Cosby hotel room, whatever it was. Cosby suit, I think, was what they called it. And yeah, for that not to come back, I'm, of course, pretty happy. Um, but apart from that, that's not a good sign for Blizzard. Like, it basically shows they have nothing to show for 2022 absolutely nothing and this went hand in hand with the news that neither Diablo 4 nor Overwatch will be released in 2022 I mean of course in the company there's a lot going on 
there's probably a lot of restructuring going on. Um, there's a lot of fixing going on. We see a lot of changes in World of Warcraft, for example. And apparently that takes all that time. I mean, they had a release with Diablo Resurrected, which looks decent. It's it's a 2D game. It's not that hard to update. Same with, with StarCraft Remastered. Um, not not willing to take anything away from the artists. It, it, what, the, what they did is great, but I mentioned this a lot of times already, so I don't want to repeat it too much. Remastering a 2D game is a whole different thing than remastering a 3D game for a variety of reasons. And yeah, I mean, it's there's still issues with the servers. And apart from that, there's a couple quality of life improvements for the game, but it's nothing groundbreaking. It's basically just a graphic update for, what is it, $40? That's a lot of money, <laughs> I think. The animations look cool, the graphics look cool, but I don't think the infrastructure lives up to a 2022 game or 2021 game. There's apparently no LAN. They took ladders away. Does that sound familiar, everybody? Taking letters away from a remastered game? I hear or I see a couple of tweets in my bubble that are very, very worried that the letter won't ever come for Diablo 2. And you know what? I wouldn't be too surprised. When I heard that the first time, I thought, oh, it's history repeating once again. That's freaking... That is, that is so heartbreaking how they treat their... Their legendary games. They probably wanted to do their best, and a lot of people did their best. But it just feels rushed again. I don't think there's a big patch, really, anytime soon. Still server problems a couple of months after the release? That's not great. That's not great at all. So... That's pretty much the big news, right? BlizzCon not happening in 2022. Um, no Overwatch nor Diablo 4 in 2022, so they really have nothing to show. I think World of Warcraft just had an add-on or a couple of content patches. And apart from that, what do they want to announce? Heroes of the Storm, they said there's no big new content coming. Same for StarCraft. Obviously, we are still waiting for a ladder, but that's not worth a, a convention, I think. And then... What is there? Hearthstone could probably get an add-on. World of Warcraft, probably a new content update, but no new games. And then it makes sense to not run a convention. Anyway, there's another big news. And we talked about this a bit on the podcast pretty early on in our podcast project that Jen O'Neill was part of the leadership in or f in Blizzard or for Blizzard after the departure of Jalen Bragg, who of course stepped down after the entire Blizzard Me Too scandal. So uh, there was a co-lead implemented at Blizzard with uh, Mike Ibarra or Yabara, I think Ibarra, and Jen O'Neill with Mikey Barra coming from Microsoft and having not too much time in the company, but he made a good look to the public, I think. Very active within the community. Active gamer. His Discord is apparently pretty well done 
and he's talking to people there. And Jen O'Neill was coming from Vicarious uh, Vision, Visions, who did the Diablo remaster, basically the, the sister studio that is responsible for a lot of remasters, like Tony Hawk 1 and 2, like a lot of the Diablo stuff. And she took the co-lead. And now, three months later, she's gone. And she was head of Vicarious Visions for like, what, 15 years? And was in a leading position there. And now after three months, she quits. There is a quote here saying, I'm not doing... Uh, I am doing this not because I'm without hope for Blizzard, quite the opposite. I am inspired by the passion of everyone here working towards meaningful, lasting changes with their whole hearts. Does that feel right? I mean, in these PR statements, you can basically say whatever you want um, and, and make it look good, but we can also question it, right? So maybe it is her belief as she ventures on to do uh, a lot of work for women in gaming. This is something that she has apparently done before a lot and that has become one of her big priorities. But isn't Blizzard at the moment the best place to make a change as the leader of this cursed company at the moment where so much shit has happened? And you can make this company right and then move on and apply that, what you what you did at Blizzard, or at Activision Blizzard, I gotta say, to the rest of the industry. Because that's apparently her big goal, is to make the gaming industry uh, healthier and more diverse. I don't know, this doesn't read good at all. Um, so apparently there's no replacement for that co-lead. All the responsibilities will be transferred to Ibarra. And then she steps down. Which is really weird. I think this is really weird. Did she start the executive job and saw even more shit than before and was like, um, oh no, I'm, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that at all. I'm outie. Uh, do that yourself, guys. This is even worse than I expected. Phew. Once again, not the greatest news. I would love to report something good from Blizzard, but there is nothing. There's at the moment, there's just nothing. Nothing good. Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, um, is now down to minimum payment, I guess. So I guess his uh, third yacht will be delayed a little bit. But apart from that... I don't know. It, of course, who am I to talk? I'm, I'm talking from the very, very outside. I have no internal news or sources or whatever so it's just me guessing and exp expressing what i felt when i saw this especially after leading one part of the company for so many years and then stepping up and then leaving after three months this this looks weird indeed
All right. That is the Blizzard news. All not great. Once again, I... <laughs> this is... I don't know. For some reason, there's a sentence that jumps into my head every now and then recently. When there was this big reveal by... Was it Bloomberg? By, by Jason Schreier on why Reforce were such a fail. He had a Blizzard representative there in the interview. Or in the, in the article saying actions will speak louder than words. And that's like half a year ago and we've had nothing since then. Absolutely nothing. Um, and that is, I guess, also a decent reason why the big tournament organizers aren't supporting this anymore. Even though they probably would love to see more Warcraft. Huh. Anyway. Um, want to continue with more bad news? Because we got, of course we got more. Because we go into all the good news, we have to cover the bad news, alright? And I, uh, just to keep you in the loop. So, this was posted on Twitter by Gornland Harbor. A little bit of a topic jump here now. Um, and that is a translation from Fortitude's Weibo, which is basically Chinese Twitter. Uh, Fortitude claims that LP Club... Uh, defaults on his salary and embezzles his property since 2019 with a total of 103,000 RMB. That is quite a big of uh, quite a bit of money. So this is tweet number one, and then there's a follow-up tweet that said. 15 Sway shared, and I quote, LP also uh, defaulted on my salary for six months, a total of 27,000 RMB. Apart from that, LP often found reasons to have my salary or not pay me. <sighs> Another example of Chinese clubs not properly paying their players. Just to put this in perspective, uh, what this means. This was like 100,000 RMB roundabout. That's $15,000 for family father. That's not uh, that's not little money. And for 15th way, who's of course still super duper young and probably uh, studying and trying to finance his studies with Warcraft. That's like 4,000 something, $4,200. That's uh, of course not the greatest amount of money. But it's still, it's still disheartening, um, especially when you see how great of a rise 15th Sway has been through in 2021, especially. It's just really disheartening that they got apparently scammed. We don't know LP's club to this. The other question is, why are they still with the clan if that's the case? Why did it take two years uh, for them to come out? But there might be a variety of reasons right we don't really know this um, what we heard before is that lp club um, is basically translating to original gangster club <laughs> it's uh is unfortunately a little more fitting than before i mean we heard this before with newbie we heard this before with lucky future the clan of happy and so in and wfc so this is now the third instance. We haven't heard this from Rogue Warriors, I think. But yeah, uh, really, really disheartening. I hope that now that there's a little bit of pressure on LP Club, that they will pay 
the players that deserve it, 42 and 15 sway. We haven't heard anything from Colorful, and I don't think we have heard anything from Focus. Focus, of course, left the clan quite a, a few months ago, I think. It's now playing Clan Wars for the Power Rangers, but no big organization picking them up. Not like uh, Moon and Mikael at Vision Strikers, for example. Just hope for the best and that they get the money, uh, that they get the money they are owned. All right. Then in semi-good and bad news, we had two things regarding the ESL Pro Tour Finals, the DreamHack Finals in Stockholm at the end of November. Because Mikael was sharing uh, internal Discord conversations, which is kind of funny, and I'm not too sure if you're supposed to do that. But anyway, he made it public, so uh, he says on Twitter, See you in Sweden. School's Lukael on the way. Oh yeah, he, by the way, renamed again from Lucifer to Mikael to now uh, merging these two nicknames to Lukael. Um, so here, a player manager of Remax says, hey, we can confirm your invitation. Can I go? I'll send all the details later. Yes, you're invited. So Mikael is invited, which is quite interesting if you look at the ESL Pro Tour standings. So Mikael is far down with 135 points. So he's ranked 14. You have to be in the top eight or with the 16th spot going to to uh, the Asian region, um, ninth place. And that's a lot of catching up to do. But if we look at the players who are Chinese or living in China, that is Colorful, 1-0, Lin, Fortitude, 15 Sway, and Fly. And if you subtract all these names, Mikhail makes it into the top eight. So... That is a very clear sign to me that none of the Chinese will make it. I heard rumors that Colorful might go. I heard rumors that Fortitude might go. But apparently all not the case. And of course, this is once again not confirmed by any tournament organizer. I don't have a list of players. I don't have the final lineup. I don't know. But it's just way too fitting that it, the eight players then are Moon, Focus, Lin. Moon, Focus, Lin, in three. Chemico, So in five. Lawlight, Remind, Suck, and Lukael. Wait, one, two, three, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Moon, Focus, Chemico, So in Lawlight, Remind, Suck, Lukael. That also explains why Insub got the 280 spot, that is then rank 16 after the declined invent invitation, so that goes to the Canadian. And in Europe, we saw that Kraft was invited because uh, Johnny Cage unfortunately can't go, and we covered that last time. So Kraft was invited, and that is then, that should be the lineup. Happy said he goes, so Happy, Foggy, Hawk, X-Lord, Kraft. Moon Focus Lin Ah Moon Focus Chemico So in Law Remind Sock Lucael 
Hitman Cruncher instep. And I think, yeah, it's once again super sad that no Chinese are going to be there, just like in Anaheim, where we had a couple of invites from Europe and one from America and then all the Asian invites went to South Korea because that was when COVID really started, unfortunately, and uh, the Chinese weren't able to enter the US. So for that sake, it's kind of fitting. And the theme will be Korea versus Europe versus Americas. Happy for all the players. We saw um, Insub on Twitter was all over the moon. Happy, uh, not happy, Krav was super happy who, by the way, signed with the Playing Ducks. He's now part of the clan that Starbuck is also in. So the two brothers there are united. They have a great uh, player management with Hex and Slash, who also run the German podcast. I do a show with Slash. Slash is always with us, with the ESL Meisterschaft and casting with us. Um, he found a great home. And I said this a lot, but Kraft feels so passionate, feels such a wholesome guy. Just wears his heart on his tongue and is always very, very thankful for things that people do. Not only for him, but for the scene as a whole or for the game as a whole. So him finding a cool home. Of course, I don't know any numbers or anything, how big the salary is or something. But man, playing ducks are doing really, really good stuff for Warcraft and Craft being part of them um, is, is really nice. That makes me really happy. Speaking of, oh yeah, uh, Lukael, I like this guy a lot, but man, uh, from a player perspective, like from a skill perspective, he probably doesn't belong at the regional finals. But then the question is, who else do you invite, right? You have to go very far down the list, I think. Like... Stoker is always posting every week the ELO ranking and developments on War3Info. And in the past couple of weeks, was there ever a week where Mikael was not the guy who dropped the most ELO? This is really sad and not too promising. Like, where is he at the moment even? Where can I sort by countries? Sorry, I didn't prepare this. So he's right now behind Yange, below 2050 MMR, again dropping 40 MMR. That is rank 63 in the world. That's crazy. Also, his Dream Map performance, unfortunately, wasn't too great. I hope he can somehow fix this, but it's only three weeks. So, man, that's going to take a lot of effort. But it's going to be cool to see him again for the first time after two years. Very much looking forward to this. He's a great guy. And I think uh, having Todd and Lukael in, in one spot, we will hear a lot of let's go champ. That's for sure. Speaking of uh, let's go and all, we kicked off the War 3 Champions Finals and I was pretty happy with it. Not overwhelmingly happy, but for first round, this gathered around 4,000 viewers both times. And this was cool, man. We This was not to be really expected. We had a round of 16 and a round of 12. 
And you guys contributed like crazy. We put up a couple of stretch goals before and I thought, okay, they might do this on the first day of the second week or something. But nope, you blew it all out of the park. Currently at 5,300, so we're $400 away from the next stretch goal, which will then be another trivia quiz uh, run by Carson. And yeah, you guys are absolutely wonderful. Like, so many direct contributions. So many of you buy these profile pictures. Absolutely amazing. That is, I think we are at around 100 now. That's $500 from profile pictures. It's cool to see that this works. This was a first-time thing. And it's also cool to see that the Nations League is doing the same thing now. I'm not here sitting... Oh, we can go to their match, arena. Because Nations League, as I said, is coming back. They're currently at a $300 prize pool, thanks to Sercato, who is donating so much recently. They already revealed... South Korea, China, USA, and the Ukraine. So four, four countries. And you can get profile icons there as well. If that's becoming the norm for tournaments, I like it. I really do. So yeah, they're still on the way to 1,000, 30% done. Nation 5 will be revealed then tomorrow, I think, and 185 away from the open registration, which is super important. And then, of course, at 1000, it is going to happen, which is, I think, very, very important. Uh, we will gather funds after War 3 Champions Finals is done. Of course, we don't want to ask for money all the time. That is, uh, yeah, that that's a little too much, I think. But this is... Something we said a lot, right? We have to approach sponsors, but it's uh, really not that easy. But who succeeded with that is the War 3 Info League. And we can give a big shout out to them for securing a sponsorship with a pretty big company. I tweeted about this already. Where is their match arena? There it is. So the prize pool for the next War 3 Info League is 1,350 already. Really, really nice. Did they mention it here? Oh, they have the entire rule book on the page. That is a little... Little weird. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, there's a company called Micrologic who does IT solutions in Canada. Uh, from what I read, one of the top 10 companies in Canada for that and they put in a thousand dollars which is amazing and of course whenever we cover War 3 Info League you'll hear a little bit more from Micrologic so good announcement for the Nation League good announcement for War 3 Info League team leagues are looking strong grassroots tournaments are looking strong uh, GNL kicked off and we will cover that too so shout out to that and then I think we can go in our into our main topic today and that is gonna be our overlay you unlocked a stretch goal in the middle or at the very last map of day one of war three champions where lawlight was facing hawk and it was the craziest game i think we can cover this real soon right uh we're real quick what happened so far because it's one of the biggest tournament in the community so let's let's recap it real quick 
I was there with uh, Carson and Remo mostly, but also joined by Cubert and Sithrin for the gym show match, and that was so much fun. I'm so happy we did the show match. It was Flutschfinger versus Link. Both had a coach and one week to prepare for each other, even though they knew each other before already. And Link took it 2-0. It was a cast by Sithrin and Cubert. It was really nice to see how they prepared uh, their student for this match, and then... Uh, what worked and what didn't work and and what they correctly anticipated and just, you know, getting a player ready for a big match and hearing about that was really cool. And I hope we'll see this, m more of that this week when we have Grinchy versus Colorado. We also had a crazy FFA show match. Um, thank you, Matthias, for organizing this. Sheik was playing Nightwing, Hawk, and Trunks, and Trunks was eliminated very, very early on. Then it was a three-way between uh, Sheik, Nightwing, and Hawk, and it was went so back and forth. Like, Sheik was almost eliminated already, and then I think this entire game turned on its head like ten times. I was casting this with Rulers, with Remo, and with Carson, and we were all all over the moon at the end. It was super nice. So let's talk about the tournament a little. The actual one-on-one -on -one tournaments as we had the play-ins. The round of 16 and round of 12 was best of three single elimination. Starting with uh, the second bracket here, Kraft vs. Fortitude. Kraft unfortunately not able to bring his absolute A-game that day. Fortitude pulled through, but Fortitude seems on fire recently. He's definitely among my Asian players of the week here as he also defeated Colorful which was not to be expected. This game three was also back on Terranus stand as the map pool is so big and features all the maps that are playable on War 3 Champions. Seeing Terranus back for once was pretty nice and we saw this classic Mountain King versus Warden game. Definitely recommend Colorful vs Fortitude. We also had Lawlight vs Johnny Cage which was my highlight game for the first round and was pretty disappointing. <clears throat> On game one, Johnny tried to brute force uh, attack Lolliot's expansion and didn't succeed, and the game was over in like five minutes. And also on the second map, like Johnny Cage didn't have much of a chance that day. I think it was just not his day. Maybe he was still a little demotivated or frustrated from not being able to go to Stockholm. Or whatever it was. I don't know. Lolliot was really, really good as he also defeated Hawk, then 2-1. and one. And you guys have to see this Autumn Leaves game. It was... Bananas. It was so crazy. Um, It was just the Warden show. Hawk was attacking, 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 attacking. And Lollite was just basically holding until the Warden Ultimate was there. Went mass archers, but didn't really want that. Just forgot to build a Huntress Hall <laughs> and was then stuck with Archers. It's such a tug of war. It was epic. You gotta watch this game. Um, then we had Sock versus Spiral. Sock with a pretty clear 2-0 there and also eliminating Dice. Dice put on a good fight, but Sock was just better. Also, just like Fortitude. Fortitude and Sock are both on the rise, I feel. They are not on the level of a Chemico, but they've both been in a slump like two weeks before. Fortitude fought his way out of the slump during Dreamhack, I think, where he played mostly Nidalf, but also with human good results. And Sock was also in the final of an ESL Cup. Two, actually. Like, first Asia, then Europe. So Sock is getting back there as well. 
Unfortunately, Neutron uh, was playing on a hotspot of his phone and had like a ping of 250, which I would say is unplayable. But um, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was a Russian SIM card, I think. So it routed him through Russia onto the server. So we couldn't use the US East server as we initially wanted to because their conditions are very, very even with a slight advantage, or would have been a slight advantage for Neutron even. It's about like 10 MS or 15 MS or something that the player in West West Americas or West USA, US West, has a slightly different, uh, a little bit of an um, advantage over the European player. That was the case also for Todd then versus Hitman. First map was pretty much a stomp by Hitman, who got a really, really uh, big game one. Outplayed Todd there. Game two was pretty cool. That was a little more back and forth. Big shout out to Todd for postponing this game. Hitman wasn't able on relatively short notice to play on Sunday, the day where this match was initially supposed to happen. Um, Myself and also though... An admin wanted to give the death win to Todd. But Todd stepped in and said, okay, the community wants to see this match. Let's play this match. Um, just just give me a time and a date and I'll be there. And talks went a little back and forth. And we decided to do this after the European ESL Cup. Which then was a pretty big success in terms of viewership. But yeah, that is the War 3 Champions uh, finals. And then as the main topic of the day... We can discuss our new overlay. And then we have, of course, some Patreon questions here as well. Because I want to take you on this little journey that we've been through, in or I've been through, uh, with my co-workers Shad and Chris, from the overlay that you were used to, to what I didn't like about it, to what we changed and why we did it and then to the final final design that you see now on the streams so this is going to be the rest of the episode this is probably not the greatest podcast content for audio so i would recommend watching the video uh, but i think it's it's something where i can let you into my mind or our mind a little bit behind the scenes and then uh you will understand a lot and of why we do this and what we tried, etc., etc. So we're going to talk for the rest of the episode about overlay and then questions at the end. So let's go into the nitty-gritty of designing a Warcraft 3 overlay. I think we talked about this on this podcast already back in June when I had my vacation that I really, really wanted to do this. And update this overlay because it's what people see the most, right? They don't see us. They don't see our faces. They don't see the bracket or whatever. What you see 90% of the time is the in-game overlay. Ideally, if it's not an open cup where we are uh, a little unfortunate with games. So this is the big priority for us. And this is why we explored the Walker 3 API for a long time. And we had already i think one of the best if not the best overlay for warcraft 3 um 
But I wasn't happy. And with what was I not happy, I will show you. As you know, like, you, you're still used to the old one, right? So here we are. Here it is. A little bit un... Okay, let's do it this way. So you should be able to see pretty much everything. So what I hated was just a pure black background. It doesn't look good at all. The entire top doesn't look good at all. This black background is very simple, yeah, but it's not aesthetically pleasing. And then also it just stops here at some point and then you see the normal Warcraft AI. That's also not pleasing. That's not well done. That was just uh, hoping that we could get rid of that top UI at some point. And that never really updated it. Same with the black background. As the same with the back, uh, black background at the hero boxes. It's like, it's the laziest you can do. Just put a black background in there. And what I also didn't like was... In general, the UI, of course. And for mobile, this is all way too small. Um, especially hero skills, these tiny little yellow bars. Way too small for a phone, for a tablet. Also, the production, I think, was a little messy. You can't see it here, really, but units and buildings were both cluttered into one row. And I felt it's time for something new. Like, we have this overlay for a couple of years. You guys deserve a couple of upgrades. You guys deserve that things develop and seeing something new. And we have the capabilities of doing that. And then why not do it? Especially if it's so important. So I think we showed a lot of information already, which was good. Um, more than a booster, for example. But yeah. It, it paled in comparison. So I know a guy from France who's called Shad. And he's a great designer. And we worked with designers before, but, you know, this didn't really click. Oh. Either the designer doesn't really know much about Warcraft or doesn't have that much time or is, of course, way too expensive. So we have to find an interesting middle ground here. It's pretty similar to when you hire a translator for a Warcraft 3 broadcast. You could, of course, find a guy who's 100% fluent, just comes off the university for English Chinese or English Korean. But if you give them in-game terminology, they have no idea what to do with it, right? Or they can't explain the strategy. So maybe there's of probably some better designers out there who cost a fortune, but they don't know how to apply that knowledge to Warcraft. And the best guy, I, I knew the best guy for the job is Shad. He's doing this full-time, he has his own company with an associate, it's called Studio Rim. And it's not that cheap, to be honest. It's, um, for us, of course, we, we get a brotherly discount, so it's totally fine, and he is worth the money, I think. But uh, we all have to eat, we all have to pay rent, we have to pay the internet electricity bills, you know. Um, and we don't get anything for it except this extra value, the unique selling point of our stream, which is, of course, very, very, very important. So 
I told him, hey man, we need this. I want to update this. I have this general idea, more mobile friendly, more modern design. Let's go see what we can do. I'm willing to help you, of course, with ideas, uh, with, with feedbacking. And <laughs> I think when he accepted the job, he didn't know that this would go on for six months from the initial contact to release at least. So I told him everything I want. And at this stage, now, of course, you know that we don't have the top UI. We don't have the boxes anymore. That was not the case when we started this project. So initially, we designed this around the fact that we still have this UI. And the first... Oh my, this is so funny. I, 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 I dug through our, um, through our Discord history back into March and there were so many iterations of this overlay idea. I will show you the first one and this is why video content might be better. Um, this is th the thing we released after all was iteration 67, I think. Something around that, like 60 something. This is the first one where I have to zoom it a little bit. There you go. So you see the general direction. We wanted to hide the, the Warcraft UI at the top because it's just not pleasing and you don't want to see the menu buttons. There's no reason for that. And yeah, updated and modern look. This is what you see in the middle. Oh, I should probably show my mouse cursor here. Kept Oh, isn't that the case? Ah, there it is. Um, yeah, so we hid it behind a modern design that you also see at the DreamHack uh, background and now with our YouTube overlays. And so we thought, okay, we keep everything we got at the moment, just make it more pleasing. And yeah, this this is what it was. I thought uh, this was for a first design pretty neat if you compare it to this. Like, don't... Not having the bricks at the top already made it look modern. The score is a lot bigger. The names are a lot bigger. Stuff like that. Um, the hero boxes are different. As already here in the first version, we moved away from the circle. Because it takes so much space and kind of unnecessary space. So this was version one, but what I didn't really, like, I really didn't like how races are displayed, how countries are displayed. There was no clan logo. Upgrades still seemed super small, especially like his idea was to show upgrades of units with a frame around the unit, which for me didn't really work, but it's fine. Uh, we were trying out ideas. And it was still like black frames around the hero boxes, but this these hero boxes are already a lot better. We moved the clock to the top, which is at the moment still even for me a little unintuitive to not look at the bottom right anymore because for years the clock was where my not so beautiful head is right now in, in the bottom right bar, but it makes way more sense to display minutes and seconds next to the actual in-game clock because there's a clock put the time next to the clock, right? That's just so logical. 
way more logical than before. And then, yeah, we had this little this little box here for the score. And he originally implemented already these dots uh, to show who won which game, which we later merged. So from then on, I said, okay, this is still too small. This is still way too small. We have to, we have to do something different. And this was iteration number two where we used more of the top space, used more player color instead of like a yellow background for the score. It doesn't really make sense, right? Like, of course, it's back to Warcraft CI with the black and, and yellow, but the top should be player color. And this looks already a lot better, I think, with the races displayed right next to it. Still not too pleasing, but it's an update. We have the logos back here and a lot more space for upgrades. Not too cramped to the top. If there's space, then there's space, okay? But still, numbers way too small. Way too small of the resources, on the clock, everything. This didn't really fit the purpose that we had. Like, we wanted to make it... We wanted to blow it up. We wanted to make it bigger. We wanted to make it like StarCraft. Because this is also something that I see, for example, at an Age of Empires broadcast which I should be able to pull up for a second. Their overlay shows so much stuff. So much information. But is it displayed really, really well? Is it all necessary? I don't know. Especially for a player who doesn't really know the game. Like, I, I don't know the game. What do I see here? Okay, the score, of course, names, of course. But then everything feels a little all over the place. Like, there's numbers and values bottom right. There's numbers and values upper right. Numbers and values upper left. Upgrades, of course. Then there's more numbers in the middle. Like, how am I supposed to progress all these numbers? It's way too much. <laughs> too much information. This would be great for, let's say... An overlay that helps you learn the game where you need values that tracks your time or DPS or whatever or shows a skill build in a chronological order. But for the casual observer, this is way too much. And we wanted to keep it simple. We don't want to overload it. We want to display what's necessary. And then already very early on in development, like this is now version 5, I said, okay, we need more space at the top for the numbers to be bigger. Because if you make something bigger, you don't create space from scratch, right? You have to shrink something else. Or reposition or whatever. Or make it toggleable. So already here in version 5, we got rid of the unit counter of the army composition. And in hindsight, maybe not the greatest idea. <laughs> um, we made some feedback circuits and asked a lot of people, like, guys, are you, is there anybody looking at this? Because we never do. We thought, okay, when are people actually looking at this? Um, in a base race, maybe, if there's a worker? And a lot of people agreed with us, like... Yeah, I don't really look at this. So, okay, let's, let's get rid of it. 
Let's make everything else bigger. Let's make more important information bigger. And I think upgrades in general show a better state of the game that's currently running than an army composition. For example, you can have four bears on the battlefield um, in adept form, but you don't know, are they master or not? Or let's say talents, it's probably a better, or priests, probably a better uh, example because you don't see it really. Are these priests master? Are they, is he, what, what state? Are they just for healing? Can they dispel? Do they have enough fire? That's, I think, more important. Also, yeah, upgrades were also our priority over army composition. Which now we see that you love the army composition and we should probably not get rid of that and somehow in some shape or form bring them back. Yeah. So what you also can see that we were experimenting with uh, segmented bars. So this is version three and all the bars are just that, like a bar, right? Like the XP, the HP, the mana. We tried to put numbers in them uh, to display the actual value, but that was absolutely impossible, uh, way too small. So we experimented with this and show quarters. One block is a quarter, like it is in Dota or also in a lot of, I guess in StarCraft, it's that way as well. Which is, I think, more aesthetically pleasing, but it also adds a lot of jitter. And yeah, at some point we got rid of that again. But yeah, that was, that was the direction. And now here came my idea. Here was, now comes my genius idea that uh, said, hey, we already have a box at the top that blocks the in-game. People always want to see as much in-game as possible. That's always been the case. If you block this little tiny thing in the middle here with something and make this a horizontal line, where the map name is and where the tournament name is. People freak the fuck out because they feel robbed of this little box above uh, the unit portrait. I don't know why that is. That is a little unrational because the here never ever is valuable information here at this part of the scene, of, of the screen. But people really don't want to have things taken away. So I thought... If we already have some content in the top, which we have to have there, why not <laughs> Why not put the hero boxes at the top as well? I thought this is genius. I thought this will be the revolution. You're going to have nothing on the sides. You have the entire screen purely filled with Warcraft. And then I saw the first design, the first sketch. And oh boy, does that look like shit, does it not? <laughs> it's horrible. It's so bad. It's so small. It's so unintuitive. I think in general it's a good idea, but it absolutely did not work. We tried this in so many versions and with so many different approaches. It's always too small. It's always too small and it kept on being that small. Or it's gigantic 
and then it doesn't it defeats the purpose because if things at the top are super big then this everything here in the middle you when you look at the screen you look like a through like a fish lens you you see the center and you rarely look at the sides that's just how a human watches tv or on a screen because that's the center it's the center of attention it's called like that for a reason and so yeah this idea was buried then and there was i don't know this might be a jump of like 10 iterations where we tried to make this work yeah and then at some point we said okay we have to put this back on the side it doesn't it, it doesn't work it doesn't work put the heroes to the side again and then we experimented with uh, dots instead of bars for hero levels for more readability wasn't the greatest to be honest oh here the resources were throughout this entire time the resources were still at the very top line we n never really wanted to make the second line big initially then we experimented with colors for gold and number we exp here was the first time version 20 where we got rid of the clock <laughs> and uh, <coughs> overrode it with our own version of it i think we moved away from that later at least a bit but yeah that idea came relatively early and then we thought okay this box here it's so ugly <laughs> it doesn't feel natural it feels like an extra it's so bad it has to go and I was like, how are we doing this how how do we cramp this into the top with everything being very nicely visible because the jump from version 9 where the resources are still so small to this where the numbers are a lot bigger that's important and this is what we wanted also, for the first time, separating upgrades, the attack and defense upgrades from unit upgrades is what we did here. Then we came up with this, put the score back on the top. The clock looks so horrible. <laughs> Real bad. Nice idea. In theory, didn't work at all. The gold coin has a little back to Warcraft icon on it. That was a nice touch, but we scratched it later for like being closer to the original and then we started to experiment with hero boxes as well because that's a big topic um hero boxes are really hard to do because you have to put a lot of information into as little space as possible to not block the actual in-game view so we wanted to shrink it a bit thought okay uh if we switch hero skills and items does that help it kind of did made it way more vertical than horizontal at least but yeah obviously wasn't the way to go these hero boxes were a pain in the ass i don't know how many times we talked in discord and one of us was like i have to take my eyes off of this i can't look at warcraft anymore i can't look at overlays anymore i have to take a break hours so many hours oh man 
poor, poor guy. So Shad's idea was always, where is it? Is it somewhere here? Yeah. To give the top like wings and put information to the upper right to have the center more or less cleared. But I think this was always bad. And if you do something, put it in the middle. And so we tried to move upgrades down again to make the top bigger. And here's the first time we thought, hey, can we get rid of the top UI somehow? Can we put, this is something I read a lot on feedback. Just move the hero boxes all the way up. It doesn't work. We tried it in this version. We tried it in the horizontal version. We tried it in every single version. It doesn't work if you put heroes all the way to the top. And I think the reason is that they don't float. They are attached to the top, which I think is more efficient in terms of space. Because what we have now, later, is there's a little bit of empty space, upper left, upper right. And so it feels intuitive to just put the hero boxes all the way to the top. But it doesn't look good. And then everything here is cluttered. It feels like you put some sort of ceiling on top of everything. It shrinks it. It makes it makes me feel uncomfortable if I watch this. It's not free. It doesn't float. It's not open. It's not pleasing. It's not inviting. It feels like the German approach to this. Let's make this as efficient as possible. We have to use that space. There's space. Use that space. No. No, not for this. But in general, I think the approach was right um, to make everything bigger, like numbers bigger, font bigger. And then we finally did it and moved the resources to the second row. And this is what you get now. And give a lot of space to the upgrades so they are big enough and not as tiny as they were initially, where you can barely recognize them, especially not on mobile. But give them space to breathe, give resources space to breathe, and put it all in the middle with like this uh, trapezoid kind of thing. Because for some reason, if you make these bars next to the tier, the very outside bars, if you make them just a line, just a straight vertical line, it looks like shit. This is why we also have this little diagonal line at the very top. And this diagonal line at the second row. Because this makes the viewer think that, okay, something is cut off here so I can see more and not less. Viewers are focusing on, okay, they give us this little half here and not that take it away. Weird. Weird how this works. But yeah, this was pretty close. In version 30... <laughs> In version 30, we basically had our finished top. Also with the clock. Uh, uh, in 28 or something, we switched to this uh, concave clock and kept it then. That was the first time we were, oh man, we can, yeah, we're happy with that now. And then, after spending... 25 different versions on the hero boxes. Shad the genius. One day, just out of nowhere, 
without telling me first, without um, spitballing first, he comes up with this hero box. And that is very close to the hero box we got now. Got rid of the actual box, got rid of the frame, got rid of the background, just a lot of transparency, item icons, hero uh, profile, and skills. And that's it. And yes, move it down again as well. This is so much nicer and freer than the boxes. There's no unnecessary background. The background is the game with a little bit of transparency. And that was the way from there on. This was one of the happiest days of the year when he came up with that. <laughs> Completely getting rid of the XP bar that we tried so long to make this work. And this is like this is why hero levels in a portrait don't really work. It just doesn't look good. If you put a circle behind them, then it's not readable again. Like displaying the XP bar was a pain. Oh man, we tried to put it on top of the hero portrait, at the bottom of the hero portrait. But then you have either you have a frame around the hero portrait, which is bad, or you have three lines of different colors and it's very hard to recognize what is what. <clears throat> then, is that the next one? The worst idea someone ever had? Yeah! Use the player color bar to display experience progress. Not confusing at all. <laughs> oh man, so bad. Also, if you put this line, this experience progress next to the lich icon, um, it's also confusing. It's once again this frame that people don't like. Then my, well, one of my most important things was display the level of a skill so you see it on first view. So the first big one was, is to make the ultimate skill bar, just one bar, because there's no three levels. It's so smart. It makes so much sense. And we moved away from dots. Dots are just not recognizable enough. And then that was basically the rest of the project, trying different XP bars and different ways to show the hero skills. Oh yeah, we had this idea with level 10 and then a progress bar here as a divider. Also not great, also unintuitive, because then that's one of the examples where you have the three bars, and three bars below each other doesn't work. Same here, doesn't work. Three bars in proximity to each other doesn't work. What was I about to show with this one? Probably the divide. Okay, that putting the level next to HP and mana, that looks good. Dividing skills a little better. And he said, hey, why do we need a bar? Why does anybody need a bar? Why are we so fixated on displaying XP as a circle or as a line? Just do decimals. Everybody understands that it doesn't take much space. 
it doesn't confuse it because it's another line that goes vertical or horizontal or is somewhere. Just use a decimal. That was a Eureka moment <laughs> for us. <laughs> Just use a decimal. So simple. And then it's way less clutter. Way less clutter. Boom, just a decimal. Everybody understands 5.5, 5.7. Everybody does. And that's where we were. And then we went with this. We ran with this. That was the second best idea we ever had, I guess. Um, a lot of people ask why there's so much space between skill levels or, or, or skills. That is because if you don't have so much space between them, they merge. You can see it here on the left-hand side. Nova 3, Frost Armor 2, five bars in a row. Not very recognizable anymore. So we have to do some dividers there. We have to give it space. This is what we started here, which is already a little better, you know, little separator between Nova and Frost Armor. And then the final version looks even better, I think. So future of this overlay, I do realize that displaying spells that are not skilled is not necessary. We are tinkering at the moment with the solution and I think we're getting pretty close. So they will probably go. It's just unnecessary clutter. Um, The entire production, I gotta say, wasn't well thought out in terms of structure and how to display it. So we reordered this already like twice and I think it's it's a lot better than before. Readability improved, upgraded at the bottom, stuff like that. What I really love and what I don't think a lot of people saw already is animations or not mentioned enough, I think. Countdown on upgrades, countdown on hero revives, um, animation when something is skilled, a little check when an upgrade finishes that stays for three or four seconds. An animation on a revive. Tiny things like that give good orientation i think it's not too much it's decent it's not like there's confetti all over the screen right nobody wants that it's supposed to be decent and informative and i think that is what it is and what we build so as i said there's a couple of things i'm not too happy with um order of items <clears throat> not 100 sure unskilled abilities will probably go but then I think it's a little bit of min-maxing here and there. And then we got it. The biggest topic, which I didn't expect at all, is the army composition. I was very sure it's unnecessary and with a toggleable function, that's all right. But apparently a lot of people love it. 
And I'm not too sure how we implement this. Because if you put the army composition next to the resources, it's once again way too small. If you swap upgrades down, you also have to make the upgrades small again. You could display army composition in the middle between map name and tournament box, but then you steal this little space from the viewer. I'm really not sure how to do this. <clears throat> we can't put it next to upgrades because we want to, like, upgrades can go all the way to upper left and upper right. Maybe it helps already when army composition is toggleable, but I'm really not sure. That's the biggest takeaway from the feedback round that you guys got so far. That in general, it's really good, but you know, uh, you miss army composition. And yeah, we'll see how we make this work. We don't want to let you down, that's for sure. So that is my take on the overlay. I think, by the way, it's absolutely gorgeous how when two upgrades are in one line and one finishes, how the second one slides just right in. That's a gorgeous animation. Also now, since tonight, if an upgrade finishes, the rest of the production moves down. Also gorgeous animation. Um, just very simple, just very smooth. Yeah, and then we'll see. Up next, what I want is worker count lost during a harass. I got the information how to do that. And then I, I want to do that. I want a damage meter. For example, Orc vs. Undead. Um, did a Blade Master did more damage by right-clicking with crit? Or did Coil Nova more damage, right? Like, stuff like that. What's the relation between that? How much damage is physical? How much damage is magical? How much healing do you have? And then that uh, use that, plus all the other information that we already got, and build a battle report. That was used, for example, in StarCraft 2 um, for a TSL or something. And yeah. Whew, half a year. Half a year project done. I hope you were able to follow somehow. My mind was a little bit all over the place, I think. But I think there is no perfect overlay that we could just copy from. For example, StarCraft has it easier because they don't have to separate stuff left and right. Like in Warcraft, you have to split the screen in half and go one player left, one player right. Because the heroes are so important that you have to give them one side of the screen. Starcraft doesn't have that. So they can go for that super slick version in the middle where the resources are just on top of each other and the rest of the screen is free, right? Um, Dota has a lot of very small information. League also. There's there's no game like Warcraft, so obviously there's no overlay like Warcraft. Like, you need to see the items. Does he have a heal scroll in the fight? What spells does he have at what level? That is ultra important. So, yeah. Shout out to Pat, by the way, who got rid of the Warcraft UI. <clears throat> that happened when we were 
three quarters done with the overlay <laughs> there. So we had to adapt a little bit, which was a great thing. But yeah, I'm very, very happy with that. Not 100%, uh, you know me. I just, uh, that's that's what I do, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm never 100% happy. But looking at this, and a lot of people love it, and we got good praise for that, and sometimes, sometimes people don't really know what they want until they see it. A lot of people said when we originally talked about this, why don't you change the overlay? It's very good. Yeah, but it can always be better. Just wait and see. And my goal was to create the perfect Warcraft 3 overlay. And so I'm not there yet, but I'm getting a lot closer than before. And that makes me a little proud. There was a lot of talking. We can do a little bit of a Q&A. We got a couple of questions by Sir Kato. I'm very, very happy that you're back in the scene, mate. I hope you're doing well. I hope the family is doing well. I hope we can meet very soon. And it's it's incredible how much you contribute to tournaments at the moment, man. Unbelievable. Uh, so, Q&A. What is your favorite matchup? And why did, is it Human versus Undead? <laughs> I don't like Human versus Undead actually too much because I think it... Uh, the power levels of this matchup are too extreme and there's just a very very small timing window where they're on even level otherwise one race is always a little favored and it doesn't make for the greatest games I like Orc vs. Undead in all its variations and Human vs. Night Elf as well that's just, that's just a pleasure to cast because there's so much action going on Pretty much throughout the entire game. Mass AoE, uh, Fairy Dragon coming in with the big positioning. Then the Gyros try to counter it, but then there's a Panda. There's so much reactionary stuff happening in those fights. And items are a lot more important than another matchup. So, yeah, that's that's just a beauty. Um, the, I, I enjoy that a lot. Like Undead Orc and Human Night Elf. And that covers all four races, right? So, I think I got a good mix there. How many hours do you work per week on average, dude? I don't know. <laughs> I just... Way too much? Way too many? I just do stuff all the time, I feel. I I gotta take some time off. I think I have to DreamHack uh, Regional Finals. I will... Like, things will automatically be slower because... Ugh, DreamHack's over. And Meisterschaft is over as well. And then I can do stuff that I... Just the stuff I want, you know? Whenever I want... Whatever I want. I can cast W3AL because I love Clan Wars. Um, or maybe just take two weeks off when it's Christmas and New Year's anyway. But yeah, especially with Overlay and DreamHack. And thinking about how the scene will work in 2022, which was a heavy burden on my mind, not gonna lie. I'm just thinking Warcraft 24-7. Um, I'm doing stuff with Warcraft 24-7. And even if I if if there's time off, um 
I look at YouTube, for example, I stumbled across a video how to have a better audio solution in OBS because a lot of guys or a lot of people were complaining that audio levels are oftentimes not great at our cast. So I look, I was looking for a solution and I found it relatively quickly. Uh, same was the case for like player cameras, like how to improve streaming, how to improve gear. Uh, today I got a new microphone arm, which is just an absolute beauty. I want to hug it and kiss it and cherish it and love it. From Elgato, of course. Elgato does all the best streaming things. The Stream Deck is a dream. The mic arm now is like a low-profile thing, so it goes under my screens, so it doesn't hang in from anywhere. It just annoyed me. And when I don't need it anymore, and I switch to the side, it's amazing. I got my lights from Elgato. I got the green screen from Elgato. Like... There's always DIY solutions, and I always start with a DIY solution and make it work for me. But then I I see a more expensive product, and it just adds so much convenience to it. Like, I could 3D print a Stream Deck and uh, get an open source solution for it. But man, my Stream Deck is connected to my Corsair keyboard, so I have extra buttons, and, you know, it's just so well thought through and so convenient. Elgato. Um, yeah, if you want to get Elgato stuff yourself, like, they are part of Corsair, so the coupon code works as well. So not only for Corsair, but also for Elgato stuff, 10% off, with the coupon code back to Warcraft. Man, half my, half my room is filled with that company. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, but I'm really really happy they're, they're still with us and continue to be with us of course they're in Engato, man just nice so I guess that's it for this week's podcast it was a long time 80 minutes solo cast just, but I love talking about these overlays man and I can tell you this was just the start like, of course, we have to redesign this overlay because that is, as I said, the majority of what you see. But you can't just make an, an in-game overlay without doing the rest of the stream, right? Needs a fresh look as well. Hey, it's almost 2022 and you're still using that design from, I don't know, 2018, maybe? Also, we freaking updated, <laughs> we updated our thumbnails in case you are on YouTube. I don't know if I will do it for the, for the podcast. I'm not too sure if I can make that fit already, but I have a different idea for the podcast thumbnails. But aren't they great? Pretty much same thing. Wait, why is that? Ah, there we go. Uh, yeah, we can talk about this a little as well. If you guys have a second. So these are the new thumbnails. I hate it that all of our thumbnails look the same. It was just a fact. All of our thumbnails look the same. So what our thumbnail does is A it displays who's casting in the upper left, which is a plus. Then we can change the background with basically snap of a finger 
to make the background apply to the logo, which is freaking dope. Can I find the other screenshots to give you a little bit of an idea how different they will look? Uh, it's been some time since I put them up, but yeah, it, it, it looks a lot different. Oh, there's one. So here, for example, what you see right now, black and white ESL logo, white, black, gray background, right? White uh, font. Here, for Players' Cup. There's red in the logo, red background. It's a bit of an older version. We moved the names up and made them bigger, as you can see, for better visibility. And you finally get the stage of what the game is as well. So, yeah, I think big improvement there as well. <sighs> but that is it. Of course, guys, if you like what we do here at Back to Warcraft, feel free to support us. Backtowarcraft.com slash support links you to everything, basically, to this Patreon, where, of course, you get the, the podcast episode right after they are recorded, earlier than everyone else. <clears throat> you get private coaching by Remo and Carson, replay analysis. Uh, if you want to know something about streaming, you can hit me up there as well as coaching, basically. Um, I just published a list of music recommendation, great live albums, and, you know, a little bit of extra, some YouTube videos as well with great live performances, if you like my music. Uh, that is Carson puts the music out there as well. Remo talks a bit more about movies and you get access to secret channels on our discord. For example, our Patreons, they knew about the changes for the thumbnails for uh, the in-game overlay. They get sneak peeks here and there. So be part of the supporters club and we welcome you with open arms. We of course work very, very hard on our Twitch sub counter as well. Let them rise amateur numbers at the moment i can tell you that much uh one-time donation very much appreciated via paypal credit card cryptocurrency if you want to wear back to warcraft swag feel free to pick them up at uh, streamlabs merchandise is there and as i mentioned corsair and elgato great friends great supporters of the stream their gear absolutely worth your money click that link and use the back uh, the coupon code back to warcraft for 10% discount. If you have ideas for podcast topics, hit me up. Always available at neo at backtowarcraft.com and of course in our Discord or via all the other social medias we're at. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. We're everywhere. Just hit us up. Hit that like, follow, and if you're nice, the subscribe button. And then we'll hear each other next week. And then... We already know if Remo is in Meisterschaft or not, because the lad is going to try to qualify this Friday. Thanks for watching or listening, everybody. A little bit of a more visual episode here. Hope you enjoyed it nonetheless, and you could follow my rambling a little bit. If not, sorry. See you next time.